0: yeah i'm a baby girl in the baby web. hey guys oh my gosh it's a new week i'm woken up today absolutely buzzing right i did this thing last night called an egg cleanse right i've seen it on tiktok trending of course tiktok um and basically you get an egg and you rub it all over your body starting from the crown of your head all the way down to your toes and then you basically fill a cup up with water and tip the egg in and it actually worked wonders and when you crack the egg in the water at the end of your cleanse you see like basically i know it sounds silly but Basically, the egg tells you, like, what you see in your egg is, like, negativity, and whether you've got, like, health concerns, things like that. And, oh, my gosh, I woken up today feeling absolutely a million bucks. Like, I woken up in the best mood, and I've had the best day, and I'm putting it down to this egg cleanse. So, I know you might think I'm crazy, but I've actually had a cracking time in the egg cleanse. I'm going to do it more often. I think, like, once a month is, like, the roundabout time to do it. So getting into the podcast thanks so much for tuning in today guys um i've just come up with an absolutely smashing idea so the questions that that i'm going to be answering and like the topics i'm going to be looking at i'm going to do that live so if it's like a silly question like why do we keep pets or why do we use cold water to brush our teeth when we use hot water to brush everything else like I'm gonna look at that live how good of an idea is that I'm sorry but I actually I'm a genius so you're gonna get like my live reaction you're gonna get live information from myself and we're gonna answer the questions live together so welcome to the podcast in my head I know that was a bit of a a rocky intro um, if you're new here this is just a podcast answering questions that a lot of people think about in the head but they don't actually have the time or actually ever answer so yeah at the start of the podcast I do like a little fun intro with like fact of the day song of the day um, relating to the topics I'm going to be looking at and the questions I'm going to be answering so the fact of the day is 70% of the human brain is water Can you believe that? Like, where's all my knowledge? Because if 70% of it's water then There mustn't be very much in there Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, that speaks volumes, I guess Um, Another fact Because I found this one quite interesting Is It takes 120 gallons of water For one egg Which is I did my research on this Which is, in fact 545 litres So takes 120 gallons of water for one egg, which is 545 litres. I don't know what you do doing with the egg, but maybe just producing it, like that's how much water it actually takes. So think of all them eggs that you're eating and all them, what them little chickens have been through. Think of how much water they actually have to drink to get one egg. Wow, that's a lot. Um, another fact is, because they're quite short and sweet, I thought I'd put a cheeky little three in there. So, 68.7% of fresh water on Earth is trapped in glaciers. So Yeah, a lot of water is trapped in the glaciers that you can actually drink. Hmm interesting because I presume fresh doesn't mean salt, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, so it's like the Antarctic not salty um, That's not even a notion. Antarctic is a flipping country. All right, I'm not even, I don't even know what I'm talking about I'm just focusing on the facts, okay, so the song of the day is no words by Dave and Mostak so I don't want to dare no beef I don't want to sort it out I don't want to hear no words So yeah, if you're new here I do a little uh, a little um, karaoke session Every time I say a song of the day So <laughs> so the word of the day Is abomasum And that is also known as reed tribe And that is the fourth and final stomach component In ruminants which are large-hoofed herbivores mammals, herbivores mammals, such as cows and sheep, uh, and antelopes and things like that. So, on this day in history, the 20th of March, babies, the 20th of March, 2022, boys, let's get this on the roll. So, the 20th of March, in 1996, John Lennon and Yoko Ono got married and another interesting on this day in history is in 1922 an order was put in place for all us homes to have mailboxes well they're my my fun little long days in history so this quote of the day is actually so cute so the quote of the day is a dog is the only thing on earth that loves you more than you love yourself which is so true because my dog definitely loves me um, more than I love myself so yeah they're such a lot of little creatures and that was a quote said by Josh Billings and he's an American comedian so just my usual disclaimer, so the information that I am giving out on the topics that I am talking about is all just based off information that I have researched off the internet and I have compiled into one episode. So I do apologise if some of it isn't factual or is based off opinion, but thanks so much for tuning into the podcast and I do hope you enjoy. So, The first topic that I'm going to be talking about, and it's quite the debate. I've spoken about this in my workplace, I've seen this on TikTok, Um, and a few people have actually suggested doing this question. So, is water wet? Is water wet? So, if we define wet as a sensation that we get when a liquid comes in contact with us. Then yes water is wet to us if we define wet as a made of liquid or moisture then water is definitely wet because it is made of liquid in this sense all liquids are wet because they are all made of liquids so there's just going to be in this topic there's just going to be a little few points some of them might contradict each other a bit because it's just like me voice in my opinion and whether water water is actually wet I have got some facts and I've got some different sources that I have researched so yeah in a study 48% of people said that water is wet whilst the other 52% said that water is not wet what is water if it isn't wet water is wet because when something is wet it has water on it and on a molecular level water molecules are bonded on top of each other therefore water is wet so there's a lot of wet talk in this there's a lot of wet talk and we all love uh, the wetness bit of the moisture i hate that word moisture ew so in contrast to that one water molecule isn't wet but when water molecules touch each other they make each other wet this causes a bunch of water molecules together to be wet so there is a few persuasive reasons why water shouldn't be considered wet so things that can wet can't even get my words out because just such a flipping riddle so things that can be wet can also be dry this is interesting water can't switch between dry and wet so it can be neither it's also important to note that wet is an adjective whereas water is a noun wet is a description of things that liquids touch a shirt can get wet but the water that touches the shirt is not wet itself Anything in contact with water is wet, but the water itself cannot be deemed as wet. So, wet is a description of water. If water were wet, you could replace the word water with wet in sentences and it should all still make sense, right? But it doesn't. You don't drink a glass of wet, you drink a glass of water. Wet means being covered or saturated in a liquid Water is not that. It can't be covered or saturated in itself because it just creates more water. Water isn't wet by itself. It can only make other things wet. So saturated means water is in the substance. Using the definition of saturated, water must be wet. So that's a contrasting opinion there. So a single water molecule saturates all the other molecules around it therefore water itself can be wet just like oxygen can bond to itself so if you bond water with water you get more water just like if you bond oxygen with oxygen you get more oxygen yeah i do apologize as well like if i do have to pause this a few times and like you do hear some weird noises because i have had covid guys I have had COVID again for a second time this week, so my voice is a bit more nasally than usual. My sinuses are a bit blocked up, so if you do hear me cough, I will put a cheeky pause in there, and hopefully the video doesn't like get too interrupted by that. But if that does happen, I will try and like cover it up, take a little break, you know, water break, and that considering we're talking about water or we're drinking about water i've got um got my cheeky little bottle next to me so a single water molecule like i said before saturates all of the molecules around it and it can bond to itself so it can be wet hmm can water can water wet itself no water has to be wetted by something else like oil or another liquid but it cannot wet itself but can water wet itself because each molecule is attracted to the other ones and wet the others so when we look at the meaning of wet that is consisting of, containing, covered with or soaked with liquid by definition water is wet because it consists of and contains liquid Water isn't wet because it is a liquid. Once you come into contact with water, you become wet. Until then, water is liquid and you are dry. Water is wet because it is a liquid and all liquids are wet. Water is not wet. It is just what we are feeling. That's interesting. So water, is this all like just a facade? Is water really dry? interesting but you didn't think of that one did you so if we weren't wet then it'd be dry and the point is it isn't water if water was wasn't wet then it'd be dry and it can't be dry because it's water so to wrap that little one up that debate my thoughts are this sounds so stupid to say because water obviously is wet, like it wets things, but I'm kind of on the on the wave that water is liquid, and before water touches something, that thing is dry. When water touches something, that's when the thing becomes wet. Yeah? So, wet is a description, like I said before, and that's just something that we feel. So, from now on, I'm not saying water's wet or wa- wet or not I'm just saying water is a liquid Because this has caused so much controversy I don't even know myself anymore I've chatted so much rubbish I don't even know if water's wet anymore Which it obviously is When it goes in my mouth, my mouth gets wet But my mouth's wet already So does it just get wetter? Hmm Interesting Interesting That is water wet it's not wet until it comes into contact with something that makes the thing wet. So by itself, it's just a liquid, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So it's just nothing. Water's just nothing. It's just its own thing. And it doesn't doesn't do anything until it makes something wet. Yeah, okay. I'm happy with that. All right, so that's my thoughts on that, whether water's wet or not. so like I said before with the whole doing things live I'm going to actually do it for this one I have kind of researched it a little tiny bit before but I just had this revelation of actually doing doing my findings live whilst was reading it because my reactions aren't like true because I've kind of read it all before so I'm actually going to be doing this one live for like the the second bit down so why do we brush our teeth with cold water when we use hot water to clean everything else and this caused a little bit of a debate as well because some people have said to me that they use like lukewarm water but not actually hot water obviously because it's going in your mouth like it's going to burn you in it so in it that was so disgusting isn't it oh my voice on these podcasts is actually a joke sometimes I sound so common and I'm so sorry but it's just me like talking to myself like I'm just <laughs> I'm just absolutely vibing here so I do apologize if I do sound a bit like Mancunian some days and like broad but it's just how I feeling in the moment you know I've got to express my feelings so let's get into it so people use hot water to wash their clothes don't they and their bodies and their pots and the floors but why do most people not everyone most people like I said before some people do use lukewarm water so i asked a few people today and some use cold some use lukewarm water so sorry for that dude. like someone just tried to ring me and the recording cut off so i'm just gonna put my phone on do not disturb right now and hope that doesn't happen again so i am sorry that that kind of cut off there but we're just we're still we're still running this so let's go um so most people brush with cold water out of habit many people feel that the coolness is refreshing but there are no actual benefits that come from come from it for oral hygiene purposes so it is a common belief that using warm water loosens dirt and gets things cleaner which is true like in daily life when you're washing your trainers or whatever you can use like warm water to kind of loosen up the dirt get it melting away and stuff but why don't people like do this with their teeth Because there's actually no no health benefits like doing it for cold water. So, yeah, this doesn't apply to your teeth. To see effects, we would actually need to use boiling water. Which, I'm sorry, no one's using boiling water in their mouth. Like, that shit's going to burn you. So, yeah, you would need to use boiling water, which is too hot to keep in your mouth, of course. So... Since toothpaste contains cleansers, the water used doesn't actually matter. Oh, huh, interesting. So, brushing with fluoride toothpaste is the key to solid oral hygiene. Since your mouth contains many kinds of bacteria, it takes more than water to eliminate the cavity causing agents. Fluoride remineralizes teeth and removes plaque and bacteria film. So water is not an important part of the toothbrushing process Using too much can counteract the good deed So larger amounts of water do dilute the toothpaste and rinse it away To be useful fluoride must remain on your teeth so that bacteria cannot turn into damaging acids Hmm, interesting So one reason you may wish to consider using warmer water is to keep your sensitive teeth from hurting Cold water can cause pain which may prevent you from brushing properly yeah that's true actually because i know i do have quite sensitive bottom teeth and sometimes it is painful to brush my teeth with cold water so if i actually do like turn that down a little bit um i might be brushing better because i'm not going to be like i'm not going to be stopping because the water is painful or whatever so the only thing that keeps teeth clean is the motion of the bristles wow okay so when brushing your teeth the temperature of the water is meaningless. The most important thing is use the correct technique. If you aren't sure about the proper way to brush your floss, you should consult with your dental care provider. Okay, that's interesting. So I'm just gonna read another article now. Hmm, a nice girl brushing her teeth there. Yeah, so again it's just a simple it's just a habit that we do. Up to eight hundred different kinds of bacteria you have on your teeth. Wow, they live in our teeth, in our spit, on the tongue, and closely to the closely regulated to ecosystem. Hmm, they attach in numbers as a film to our teeth rather than float around in our mouth. Yeah, so like when you drink a can of coke, you get that little bit of furry teeth. That's riddled with bacteria, bro. Ugh. Oh, when you brush your teeth, you're disturbing the ecosystem so you scrape away some of the bacteria film with the brush and spit some of it out oh my gosh i didn't actually think of that so the bacteria multiplies and reattach as soon as you have to brush again so when you... that is actually interesting because you're damaging the ecosystem by like spitting your bacteria out so guys brushing your teeth bad for the planet it's good for your mouth but bad for the planet yeah that's really interesting hmm Yeah, so basically what I'm reading is that it's all down to the fluoride in the toothpaste and the way that you brush. So, water's the least important, yeah, like we said before, and it can actually be counterproductive. Okay, so we're kind of like diluting the toothpaste, so the fluoride should remain on your teeth to prevent acid attacks of the bacteria. But why do we spit it out then? Hmm yeah it doesn't matter whether you use cold or warm water I guess it is just habit because I've always brushed my teeth with cold water and my family have as well so I guess kind of I've just picked up those those habits I am reading here though that warm water can contain metals from your water heater and plumbing oh okay but the amounts you get, get from it are, um, are very small you spit out most of it anyway So, yeah, a lot of people use warm water to kind of counteract their hypersensitivity. So, yeah, that's interesting. They do prefer, a lot of patients that this dentist has kind of spoke to do prefer to use cold water as long as it isn't painful. She stresses that lukewarm water doesn't make teeth any cleaner. It's the motion of the bristles against the tooth surface and the toothpaste that does the job. Yeah, interesting. So it is kind of down to habit then, really. Because thinking about it yeah everyone in my family has always used like cold cold water so yeah I'm, I am reading here actually that there is some suggestions and like using warm water to kind of make the bristles a little bit more a little bit more um, softer but I guess the point in the bristles is to be hard because if they're soft and they're just gonna bend it they're not actually gonna scrub anything off yeah i use cold water keep doing what you're doing guys it doesn't really make a difference what water you use but it is quite interesting that we do use hot water to kind of clean everything else but cold water to like do our teeth most people but yeah it's just habit water doesn't matter um it's the toothpaste and the motions that do so keep brushing good guys get those shiny whites topic is pets and why do people keep pets like why why do we feel the need because I know a lot of people who have dogs like why do we feel the need to have a dog what are the benefits of having like a dog and a pet and why do why do we as humans like keep them it sounds really mean like thinking about it like should they be out in the wild really but my mum's got a french bulldog right and the thought of her just being in the wild like that makes me sad what if she gets like eaten by a fox like she's only little so yeah i'm gonna be looking into like why people do do keep pets and dogs and things like that um so there are many health benefits of owning a pet they can increase opportunities to get exercise go outside and socialize and regular walking or playing with pets can decrease blood pressure oh that's interesting cholesterol levels and uh, triglyceride levels triglyceride levels yeah i've never seen that word before but i presume it's something good if it reduces it yeah so pets can also help manage loneliness and depression and give us companionship Most households in America have at least one pet. Yeah, that's quite common in the UK too, I would say. Most households do do kind of have a pet, whether that's a fish, a hamster, a dog, a cat. So, studies have shown that the bond between people and their pets is linked to several health benefits, including decreased blood pressure, cholesterol levels, that, that complicated word, triglyceride, yeah i'm gonna say that triglyceride levels feelings of loneliness anxiety and symptoms of ptsd yeah i can see that i can see that being true yeah so the pets are quite relaxing aren't they they do reduce anxiety and symptoms of ptsd like when you stroke them you just feel happier and the fact that they're happy and they're loving you yeah and increased opportunities like i said before obviously it's right to pick the right pet, like how long will the animal live, do you have the capacity to look after it, how much will food cost, like what does it eat, how much exercise it needs, so some people are at higher risk for for diseases that animals can carry, I'm not trying to scare anyone off getting pets here, I'm just um, trying to look at, trying to look at why people do keep pets, so I'm not quite sure what Google's trying to tell me here, but Let's look at some more. Yeah, so pets are comforting companions. They keep us healthy and relieve stress. They play and show us love. They keep us from being lonely. Oh, that's so true. Cuz I'm a single pringle out here. I do want a pet in my flat. Like I want a little a little pet, a little hamster. I've got a pet uh, tarantula actually. A lot of people don't know this, but I've got a pet spider. Um, and I'm sorry but he's not the best companion I'm going to say it's a he but I don't know she's called um, I've just said she it's called Spice because it's a Mexican fire leg tarantula and it's got orange legs so I thought hmm, Spice you're spicy yeah Spice um, and I'm sorry but they—they they she's not comforting they don't show me love they don't keep me from being lonely if anything my flatmate keeps me from being lonely I don't play with her I just I just watch her sometimes she sits in the kitchen so I don't even watch her most times she's just sat there scurrying about by herself but oh maybe I need to keep her from being lonely so why did humans start keeping pets so people who have pets have free time and wealth sorry that's not true i know people who work and who were not the richest people and they have a pet so pets are animals that are kept for pleasure they have and they have been tamed and domesticated a domestic animal has also been tamed and is kept by humans as a food source for work or for pleasure okay so why do we keep pets in our house like i said i've already looked into that Yeah, so researchers have found that pet owners benefited from companionship and unconditional love from pets. Pets were especially helpful for people living alone. In addition, people with pets made social connections with strangers out in public and were more likely to have positive interactions with family and friends. That's actually true, because if I see a little cute dog in the road, I sometimes stop and say hello. And that, yeah, that's kind of me interacting with a stranger then, really, isn't it? So let's look at why did the first human who was the first human to keep a pet who was the first human to keep a pet and i wonder what it was as well gosh my spelling's awful when did right here we go when did people start keeping pets so the human pet timeline's still being put together but turns out man's best friend might also be his oldest oh pets have harnessed humans for possibly tens of thousands of years, regardless of when pet ownership got started, our longest attachment to these animals is still going strong, Americans own 78 million dogs, 85 million cats, 14 million birds, 12 million small mammals and 9 million reptiles, according to pet industry statistics, yeah, I kind of always thought that that dogs would always be higher than cats just because, personally, and I'm sorry for all you cat lovers out there, I think dogs are much better pets than cats, they play with you, they bark at you they don't hiss, they don't scratch like, if you've got a nice dog, it's a nice dog, isn't it? So the archaeological and genetic record is being combed and analysed for evidence of when and how the human-animal bond developed hmm, okay, so there's still no, like, timeline there So, like I said before, pets are kept for pleasure. They've been tamed and domesticated. Not all domestic animals are pets, though. They can be a chicken, a pig, or a cow. And not all the tame animals are domestic. Ah, yeah, true. An elephant, for instance. So, we know without a doubt that dogs were the first domestic animal Meaning that they were tamed and used for work, or their fur, or or meat. Oh, I know um, some some Chinese cultures do eat dogs, which I don't agree with at all. That like it is just their culture and how they've been brought up. But I would not be eating my little French bulldog. It's unclear if dogs were first pets. That is being solely kept for companionship. Um, they have been used for other stuff like I said before the fur or the meat oh so nobody really knows apparently so a story of domestication and pets is not a linear progression from wild to domestic it's more about how animals have taken on different roles in human society over the centuries um so these things exist on a continuum on a continuum yeah that's right so apparently asking when the first pet came into being is like asking when did life begin yeah so humans have likely kept baby animals for amusement as long as humans have lived but usually as those babies matured and became less cute and perhaps more unruly they ended up being thrown back into the wild or maybe even eaten oh so i guess it's kind of like evolution isn't it like a dog started to show love then and stay cute and that's why humans kept them instead of like disregarding them and making them into food or whatever so one study published that in 2011 evidence was found that dogs were being bred and eaten on occasions by humans living in Texas and 9,400 years ago ugh the giveaway was a small dog found in ancient human faecal matter oh gosh so a dog a dog bone was found in human poo oh so the bone fragment provided the oldest known record of dogs in the world oh that's interesting that's disgusting but interesting there may have been some of eleven thousand years old ah so i'm sorry but who's out here analyzing poo like unless there's a purpose for that So they recently found out that dogs were domesticated twice, once in Europe about 16,000 years ago and then in Asia about 14,000 years ago from two separate wolf lineages. They may have been domesticated even earlier. A scientist who's participating in Larson's project has published data showing that 32,000-year-old canine skull found in a cave in Belgium was possibly the first dog. Oh, Oh, thirty-two thousand-year-old skull's been found, and it was possibly the first ever dog. I guess I'm guessing not the first ever dog, like the first ever dog that was domesticated, kind of like the man's best friend, like going around the cage with him and stuff. Oh, that's really cute. So. 1.5k DNA samples from ancient dog and wolf remains will soon be interpreting the data in an effort to solve the domestication mystery. So it's kind of like they're still trying to figure out when the dog became the first man's best friend. So some clues do exist. Dogs and cats were found buried with humans like 12,000 years ago, but it's not clear why dogs also got special burials oh that's nice sometimes with high value items in their grave at least eight thousand years ago but that's still like that's still not set in stone so the romans kept small dog toys for two thousand years ago they did not appear to have any utility but they also came into fashion around the same time that the black rabbit came a major pest in europe oh okay and dog clothes a few hundred years ago became in as well oh that's interesting so i guess it's still kind of in a a working process as to where like dogs became domesticated but i guess maybe one day this guy just saw this animal and thought oh he looks nice let's um let's play with him and then they just became best friends and then that's kind of where it evolved from instead of like using them for meat and fur and stuff it's kind of like evolution of the dog and they've they've kind of like bred so that that first dog probably bred with another dog and then seen how it acts with the human and so on so it's just kind of kept going down like that um as for why humans keep pets now it's kind of like for companionship for the social element for the love I like to get more exercising so that's nice like oh, pets are great all pets are great apart from my tarantula she do not really do anything like like i said before i'm sick of seeing her like and it's so sad to say because i got her in lockdown 2020 and honestly i don't know why i got her but i got another one as well this is such a bad story right so i had this other one called tranny because it was cute little baby tarantula um and it was like burrowing in its house and my mum i moved out and i left my spiders at home with my mum which was a poor mum decision like why am i leaving my babies at home but yeah so i came home one day and i only saw one spider i went back to my mum's one day and i only saw one spider and i was like mum where's tranny gone and she was like oh yeah threw her away thought she was dead so my mum just put her in the black bin with all the other rubbish like she's not got a living body um so she's in the black bin she's probably made a nest right now and there's bloody tarantulas roaming around mountain so yeah that's quite an interesting story on on why we keep pets i didn't really do it for companionship she doesn't really keep me entertained i don't stroke her just watch her i got her as an observational pet that's what i like to say (laughs) so yeah that's why we keep pets um on to the next The next topic that I'm going to be looking at is why are words words like where did they come from and the last topic was all done live like the research and my reaction was all done live so I'm really liking that way of doing things because you kind of like get my real and true reaction to it all then I'm like kind of discovering as you are as well so that's that's really cool I'm going to keep up with that and I'm going to do going to do more live reactions like that because it just kind of leads to more of a conversation and like a more a more real reaction from me so this one where do words come from why are words words so I've just googled like where the words come from and do they really mean anything so how do we use language we use it to express ourselves through speech to record our experiences or to invent and tell stories in writing but before that all began a word leaves our lips or a pen hits the page we use language in our heads this code we share is more than a simple naming process Uh, this is a bit confusing it's the means by which we form our thoughts and interpret the words around us the world around us whoa okay this is where it gets interesting So one of the first people to articulate this concept was the Swiss linguist named Ferdinand de Sasseur. I think that's how you say that. I said that quite well, I'm quite impressed with that. So Sasseur wrote and taught in the late 1800s and though he died in 1913, he remains one of our heroes on history, not history, on dictionary.com. So Sasseur understood that thinking about language was essentially thinking about thinking. He put language under his own theoretical microscope, the way biologists study cells, looking at words as the building blocks of our thoughts. So the foundation of this project is breaking down the idea of a word into its component parts. So the concept and the sound image. So let's kind of do an experiment. First of all, picture a tree. It can be a tree you've climbed or a generic tree you've invented in your head. Regardless of the exact form, the abstract idea of a tree is a concept now picture the letters t-r-e-e these four letters when placed in this order form the sound image in that they can be spoken written or read but without the image tree behind them the letters are meaningless only by uniting concepts and sound image will tree evoke the mental picture you just conjured now, that's a bit confusing, but let's just go with it. Let's carry on. So, Sassu does not call this fusion of concepts and sound image a word. He, instead, he calls it a sign. And it was through this code of signs that he built the discipline. That's given us so many tools on how to know our language, semiology. In Sassu's words, semiology is... A science that studies the life of signs within society, named for the Greek word z- <laughs> semion, meaning sign. So, in the book, the groundbreaking tone that this is coming from, Sassur replaces the term concept with signified, referring to that which is signified, i.e., the image of the tree. And the sound image with signifier, the written and the spoken tree. God, this is all a bit confusing. Mm. So, from there he put, he drops a bomb. That's what this says. He drops a bomb that puts a new spin on the whole business. The signifier, which is the written and spoken sound image, is arbitrary. That's right. According to Saussure, the only function of the word tree. Is to be different from every other word. For all he cares, it could be blag. As long as every speaker of the language recognises that blag signifies a leafy wooded plant. Oh, I didn't know that's what blag meant. Does not mean bark? So Sastia points to the fact that onomatopoeias of the same sound vary greatly from language to language. And speakers are often conditioned by their language to perceive a certain sounds as beautiful okay so let's have a look then so how are new words created so the English language has developed over centuries and many of the words we use today have come about one or two overarching sources evolving words from English or English adjacent languages themselves or deriving from loan words from another language okay so let's have a look then wow according to the global language monitor around around 5400 new words are created every year oh okay that's interesting so yeah so a good example is the word dog unrelated to any other known word which in the late middle ages suddenly a mysteriously replaced old english word hound which has served for centuries some of the commonest words in the language arrived in a similar way for example jaw tantrum conundrum bad big okay so sounds words like gadget blimp, raunchy, scam have all appeared in the last century or two with no apparent etymology and are more recent examples of this kind of novel creation of words. Additionally some words have existed for centuries in regional dialects or as rarely used terms suddenly enter the popular use for little or no apparent reason hmm oh god it says the word nonce there right so loan words or borrowings are words which are adopted into a native language from a different source language okay so i've got an example here actually and that's narang narange which is which is the word for orange in a different language so that's that must be the latin word then or the spanish word or even right let's have a look at that so the word orange originated with the Sanskrit narang okay or naranja okay which became the Arabic naranja oh naranja that's Arabic and the Spanish naranja and it entered English as na naranj created to narange. And then arrange finally became orange. So the word garbage came to English originally from Latin, but only arrived Mm -hmm. via old Italian, an Italian dialect, and then Norman French. So sometimes torturous root and degrees of filtering through another language can modify words so much that their original deprivations are all in indescribable okay that's good so basically all all words kind of come from Latin so adding prefixes and suffixes okay so the word port then goes to like import export transport so they're all prefixes and suffixes come after the word so like portable deporting transportation Important. Okay, so it can it can change a root word into into many new words. But what I want to know is where the very first word came from. So we're going to look at that. The very first word come from. Okay, where did the very first word come from? So according to Wiki Answers, the first word ever uttered was "ah ah," which meant "hey." Oh, this was said in Ethiopia more than a million years ago I want to know what they were doing before before they actually used words that's interesting so we don't know which exact words came first in a language so which words were the first to ever be written and spoken we dive into the history of ancient language and what remains to this day So humans are fascinated by old things, whether it's prehistoric dinosaurs or fossils or ancient scrolls. We are innately driven to want to explore the past and find out what life was like long ago. Okay, so obviously then language comes in. So we don't exactly know when language was first used for a number of reasons. There's no recording devices back then, but we do know that it was a really long time ago. And we know that modern language has ancient roots, so words have adapted and evolved over time along with humans themselves. So some words we still use today have been around in some form for thousands of years. So what is the oldest word in the world? Okay, so firstly we can search for the oldest written word, but that's also long, so... So we might think it's quite easy to answer because a word... Have some evidence to cover it its claim to be in the oldest word in the world oldest word in the world. Hmm. Partly because scholars disagree. Right, so do glyphs count? Like, yeah, that's true. Like the hieroglyphics count as words? Or is it only true writing with oh graphemes? So that's a symbol that represents a sound so do hieroglyphics count or is it only graphemes that count which are symbols that represent sounds so it can be hard to pinpoint exactly where certain writing systems were created and which one came first so the general consensus is that Sumerian, Sumerian, was the first written language developed in southern Mes- mesopotamia mesopotamia around 3400 or 3500 before christ at first they would make small tokens out of clay representing goods that they were trading later they began to write these symbols on clay tablets The earliest form of language was sumerian cuneiform which consisted of wedge-shaped glyphs so we don't know which exact words came first in this language, but based on example charts showing the evolution of Sumerian cuneiform, it may have been symbols for God, Earth, man or woman. Okay. So another way we can think about the, the question, what is the oldest spoken word in the world? Realistically, probably a sound like ow or a warning call that means like danger. You could make an argument that a sound isn't necessarily a word per se, so this was done at a university in the UK and they did a study and they discovered some of the oldest words in the world using a statistical model to, to study cognates. So words that sound similar and mean the same thing across languages. So the researchers looked at the frequency of cognates around across seven language groups and came up with a list of 23 ultra conserved words that were apparent at least four or seven groups. So they believe that words are nearly 15,000 years old, surviving since the end of the last ice age. Ice age. So the researchers argued that because the cognates exist across these disparate languages, they likely all evolved from a single proto-Arústic language. I do apologise. I'm saying these words wrong. I'm just, I'm just reading it as you're listening to it. So so for those of you keeping score like there may be these may be the 23 oldest words in the world rather than just one here's a list okay so though i not that we this what man slash male yeah old mother to hear hand fire to pull black to flow back ashes to spit and worm oh worm's interesting why is worm one there i guess maybe because they used to eat worms i don't really know so who invented words okay so wow there are over 7,097 living languages according to people who study languages these are these people called linguists so the number is shrinking all the time because many languages have just a handful of speakers So some linguists say that there are really more like 6,000 spoken languages still around right now But that's a lot of languages um, And I only know like one, I would say, and that's English I do I do speak a bit of Spanish here and there But I did study it for like 7 years and I only know how to say like Come on, day, And that's it So The first people who were exactly like us were in Africa, probably around 150,000 to 200,000 years ago. They would have been the ones who first came up with words for things. And then they would have passed on those to their children and it would have kept going from them to us. But what obviously we're really asking is how how did they come up with words? And that's a tough question because there are nearly 6,000 languages in the world and they all have different words for things. We can't go back in time will probably never know what those first words were. Some people have said that it must have something to do with imitating the sounds that things make. That may work with some things, but most things don't make sounds. It's hard to say what would have led people to come up with a kind of word like sun or tree or something like already or maybe. So we'll never know why they came up with those words, but we know that once they did, yeah so I guess that's kind of the answer so even now yeah like the alphabet who came up with the alphabet and decided to put those into words so the answer to that one is there's no reason so the order of the alphabets never made any sense all we know is that the people who invented the first alphabet put the letters in a certain order and when they passed those letters on to other people, those letters passed; those letters got passed down to us, and we kept the letters in that order. So, that's actually true. Like X, Y, and Z, they're such uncommon letters, and that's probably because with the first alphabet, you didn't need an X, a Y, or a Z. So they; those letters weren't needed in the languages that people spoke. as the alphabet got passed down to people speaking other kinds of languages people wanted to kind of add new letters on so yeah they are kind of peculiar letters so that's that's all for that one i think um it's just been kind of evolved over symbols like mimicking sounds that things make hieroglyphics and like picking being passed down through generations so like clothes i'm just i just picked a random word there like clothes so i'm saying that's come from like cloth and obviously when you get a cloth it's made out of like stitching made out of yarn so like they probably thought oh yarn makes cloth cloth makes clothes so it kind of evolves down like a ladder doesn't it if you think about it there's probably a lot more context to it and a lot more um, depth and science and like english behind it but yeah, that's kind of what I've gathered on that. It's just kind of been passed down through generations. There's not an exact pinpoint where we can say that was the first word. That was like invented then. Because obviously it's like millions of years ago, maybe. So, like I said, some of the common words were listed before. Some of the most popular first words were listed before. Like kind of like, ah, I, you, like black, black maybe that's because like the soil was black or like wood was black but obviously they didn't know brown before then unlike worm maybe that's because they used to eat worm and they saw it kind of move and wriggle so they'd be like ha, worm like you know it's just kind of strange isn't it like I guess you can look into it a bit in a bit more depth but that's kind of like what i gathered from it so i do think that this this episode is quite long i've been recording this word section for 18 minutes already so i think it's time to kind of wrap that up i did want to do some um some reddit stories but because i have rambled on a little bit there about words and about flipping water i think i'm just going to leave it there um thanks so much for listening guys i do hope you have enjoyed this episode and i hope you've kind of figured out why if water's wet i hope you're having that debate in your head right now where words came from i hope you're having that debate too and why we keep pets and i hope you snuggle up to your dog tonight and let them know that they love because they clearly love you so yeah thank you so much for listening have a great week and i'll speak to you all next week goodbye <laughs>